Welcome back. I'm your host, Julia Menezes, and you are listening to The Art of Change, an educational podcast devoted to understanding how change happens at individual, systems, and organizational levels. This podcast has been developed by the Office of Community Engagement at McMaster University. If you are a student listening to this podcast as part of the Art of Change course, welcome to week 10. This episode is part two of a two-part series highlighting different approaches that Indigenous leaders have used to advance social change. In this episode, we're focusing on change through government, asking, what challenges do political leaders face when advocating for Indigenous rights? What barriers prevent institutions like Canada's federal government from addressing injustices against Indigenous people and communities? And when faced with barriers, how do individuals within political systems search for hope? Our guest for this episode is Mumala Kakkak, who represented the NDP as a member of Parliament for Nunavut between 2019 and 2021. In our conversation, Mumalak speaks about the importance of having a support system, particularly when facing institutionalized forms of discrimination. Mumalak will also speak about some of the barriers that she has faced as a young Indigenous woman in Canada's Parliament, and how she has understood her own role in making systems change. As always, our episode begins with an introduction. My name is Mumina Kapkak. I'm the former member of parliament uh, for Nunavut. I was elected when I was 25 years old in 2019, and I'm currently uh, 28 here in 2022. Although I decided not to run again, I had a very, very crazy and empowering and impactful two years that I think we're going to really dive into here. Over the past two years, one of the most frequent questions that Mumalak has been asked is how did you get into politics? As she explains, her political life began long before becoming a member of parliament. As an Indigenous woman, we as Indigenous people, uh, and not just Inuit, but as First Nation and, and Métis across the country, come across questions a lot of the time. How did you get into this? How did you decide that this is the route that you were going to take? I always say that my life was political from the moment I was born. Even the fact that I was born is a political statement, is a statement to say there are systems that didn't want that to happen, that really, truly, and still want to eliminate the quote-unquote Indian. And now we have to expand definitions and understanding of certain things. But there was just an understanding here in Canada uh, 100, 150 years ago for the people that I represented a lot more recent (laughs) in history. Like my father was born on the land. If we didn't have missionaries and teachers and government officials and things like that coming up north, I would have been in the same kind of boat. I would have been much more on a uh, nomadic lifestyle that my people had been living for thousands of years. All of a sudden, though, there were these huge changes coming through that completely altered not just the lifestyle but a way of thinking a way of interacting understanding our community and and those kinds of things so being able to have an awareness of of that kind of stuff and I, I've learned a lot I've learned how to communicate how to 
make things clear as I can and, and how to try and build an understanding with my words, with people to be able to move towards an understanding of this is messed up. Here's why it's messed up. And here's what's going on. Here's how we can try. I don't know if fix it is the right word, uh, but at least try and find solutions, push institutions to do their job uh, and push institutions to do the right thing that they say that they're supposed to be there for. So it was a really eye-opening isn't even a strong enough statement. During my time in, in politics, it kind of ripped me open in a way that I, I didn't understand was possible. And I didn't go seeking it. <laughs> I don't, I've never until this point in my life have never gone out to seek something. Um, I feel like the calling has always been kind of mutual where I know I need to do something and I can do something and I go and do it. You know, getting into politics to me is just being alive. And I was asked if I would be interested in running for the uh, NDP MP position in Nunavut. I, I did not seek out any kind of, I didn't even know how any of that kind of stuff worked, to be very honest. It, any of the territorial to the federal type thing of the election in any kind of organization, I wasn't aware of what it meant to like campaign, to go door to door to knock and try and convince people to elect you. I really had no concept, really no want or desire to convince people that I'm the person to represent them. That had never been a part of my life or on the forefront of my mind. I just knew I wanted to help and I took any opportunity that I could. At the time I was working with NTI, Nunavut Dumabik Incorporated, is the territorial advocacy organization for Inuit and I was working as the Inuit employment officer as Inuit and being in the north there are so many barriers and, and boundaries and things that we face all the time it's really difficult to get over those things and it you know I could feel like I could put my skills to an amount of jobs that just allowed me to advocate for Inuit and, and try and make sure systems were upheld and following what they said they would because what we're seeing happening in the north and i feel like i'm you know i'm kind of unleashing a bunch of information that is a lot but when you look at the nunavut agreement it's a modern treaty what it is is just a different version of the indian act put into nicer words that don't really force one side to uphold their accountability, but also weirdly oppress a side that doesn't have any power, control, or money. So my whole two years was just trying to say, well, here's one concept of living. You have a different concept of living. And in all of that, you know, there's all these differences. And I've always understood this. I've always kind of looked at the world in a way where I understand I'm coming from a completely different and unique perspective. So my whole life has just been political. I don't, I've never quote unquote gotten into politics. I've just always felt that even just me being alive is a political statement. In the context of formal politics, Umalak was approached in August of 2019 
by a friend who asked, generally speaking, if she was willing to discuss politics. At the time, Mumalak wasn't really sure what the conversation would be about, or even what it would mean to run as a member of parliament. I said, okay, well, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. Sure, come over. Let's, let's chat. And I know who this is, right? It's, I wouldn't say a, a good friend, but it's definitely a friend and somebody that I know through really good friends. And we're sitting at my kitchen table, I think it was a Saturday maybe. And he mentioned, you know, our messages and blah, blah, blah. Like I really have no clue where he's going. And I'm sitting across the table. It's really sunny and bright out, really nice blue skies. And we're in Iqaluit and there wasn't, no on the ground yet or anything like that but nice cool crisp warning and uh, we get to chatting and then he gets to the question so i can't remember exactly word for word but something along the lines of we're interested in asking you to run officially with the new democrat party as a mp for this riding none of it and i kind of like slammed my hands on the table i was like holy i won't use fruitful language but Holy, okay, so you're asking me if I'd be interested in running. Like, I was not expecting that conversation to kind of come out of that situation. And my initial always reaction is, let me talk to my mom. Always, always. It doesn't matter what I do in my life, how I interact in my life. It's always, let me talk to my mom first. Let me make sure it's cool by her. I got some kind of direction. I got some kind of guidance then I'm good. If my mom thinks it's a good idea, then I'm good. Umalak did talk to her mom, who encouraged her to run for member of parliament. I'm pretty sure she said something along the lines of, you do crazy stuff all the time. We've always loved you. We've always supported you. Why would this be any different? And I was like, that's right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because she's right. And I was like, okay, so you're cool with, and I, I very specifically said, you're okay with me running for member of parliament da, 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 da. and that was kind of it it was just like okay make a decision ran with it and she's always been super supportive she's always been in my corner she's always backed me up when I actually got elected <laughs> that day I knew it was gonna happen I just had an inclination I just had a feeling and she goes honestly Trina that's my first English name my government name she goes, honestly, Trina, I wasn't sure if you were going to get it. And I was just like, mom, who, who, what are you? Okay, Pia, girl. <laughs> she was like, but she never lets on that kind of stuff, right? She always believes in me. She always puts me forward first. You think you can run for member of parliament? You go do it. You would think you can do it? Of course, of course you can. And even if she doesn't feel it in her being, she feels that like she's got to support me all the time in her being. So that was super helpful, but also I'm very thankful to have a mom where I can just have frank conversations and open conversations with, because if, if I didn't have that, I don't think that conversation at the kitchen table would have worked out the way that it did. The importance of having family support and a space to engage in conversation is something that Mumalak has increasingly come to value especially when faced with alienating experiences as an MP. I wish I had a better understanding of how harsh things could be before I walked into it. 
because uh, I walked into it very blindly. I walked into it very much with the want and the will to do better for people that just deserved basic rights. But I was willingly walking into an institution that wants to and wanted to kill Indigenous people and Inuit and continues to not care about Inuit to the effect where we do have the highest rates of suicide. We do have some of the highest rates of violence, of poverty, of uh, lack of healthy food for children. We carry all of those rates at an immense level. And what was being done in our country to counteract that when I was seeing uh, neglect and, and poverty and negativity every day where I knew it wasn't right. Like somehow I just knew this wasn't a normal way of living. And so many people go through their lives as Inuit thinking that a suicide a year or every other year is normal. Where wanting to end your life is normal. That's not normal. That's not a healthy way to go about things to live. Once Mumalak was elected and began trying to make an impact to combat issues like suicide, violence, poverty, and food insecurity, she began to connect the challenges that she was seeing on the ground in Nunavut with structural forces within Canada's political system. The point of the system is that it doesn't work for everyone, period. It works for those who are powerful, who have money, and who have ability to make things happen. For example, we get really frustrated with the food prices and, and the northern prices in the north a lot of the time. There are 64 locations through the northern store in Nunavut that are owned by Giant Tiger. Giant Tiger's chairperson, I haven't researched this in the last little while, but when I was a member of parliament, the chairperson for Giant Tiger is a conservative member of parliament. Why was that individual being able to, not that they're necessarily making decisions, but they're definitely having discussions. They're definitely having influence where they can navigate certain things. So every time I see a, a Giant Tiger truck down south now, I think, okay, where's that shipping going? Where is that? And then, you know, going into Giant Tiger uh, stores, of course, it's the same setup as the Northern store back home. It's a, because it's the same company, it's the same people running the show, right? And people can see that whether or not they're elected, whether or not they've uh, been through a certain kind of position that allows them to open up realms that we're not maybe necessarily used to in quote unquote day-to-day -day stuff. And what I mean by that is just by saying, if you're not physically as a human being going to these spaces, going to Parliament Hill, going to elected politicians' offices and stuff like that, then you're really not connecting with what I'm talking about, what I mean. Because it is a beast. It's a machine that it's meant, again, to work for the elite and, and the powerful. So I have my experience right through my lens and my eyes as an Inuk woman who was 25 when I got elected into the world of politics as we know it here in Canada. You can pick apart any word that I just said and really break it down to a lot of things. Being an Inuk in itself is you know, a, a person who the federal government really does not want to exist. 
really doesn't care if we exist or not. Truly. There are people who die every year in shack fires. There are children who pass away because they're not getting the right medical treatment that they deserve and need. There are people who can't get dialysis to get their blood cleaned unless they go down south. Pregnant women cannot give birth home in most communities with the exception of assuming that everything isn't totally booked up, isn't totally full. How we're expecting mothers, the, the people who are carrying the next generation to not be able to do these extremely vital, important things in life at, in their comfort. It just, it did, none of it made sense. And I mentioned these things because you can take apart an aspect of that and incorporate it into what I was going through at the time. When I got elected as a 25 year old, right? I don't have kids. I don't have a house. I am almost like student type living thing. You know, I got roommates. I'm splitting uh, the utility bill. I'm not covering everything like a quote unquote adult because I don't have the availability because of the lack of housing in Nunavut. And, and it's not because of me and my personal circumstances. It's because of the situation of the oppressed <laughs> in Nunavut. I'm more than aware of this. So even as my time as a member of parliament, I could never find adequate housing. In the three years I lived in Nukaluit, the capital, I had one opportunity to rent a three bedroom, which again, I don't have kids. I don't need that space. Why would I rent a three bedroom when I'm one single person? And it was $3,600 a month. That's normal. That is so, so normal in Nunavut. And well, okay, on my salary, if you Google a member of parliament salary, sure, I can cover that. Sure, I'm a single person. Sure, I'm a da -da -da. But okay, if I all of a sudden wanted to start having kids, if I wanted to have a pet, if I wanted to have, you know, any kind of quote unquote normal kind of stability as a 25 year old that didn't have any kind of buildup of, of much, how do I do that? I don't have a partner. I don't have a dog even to go home to at the end of every day. So politicians often talk about it being really isolating. I went from wanting to help the entire community and talking to the entire community of like feeling like I could barely have two sentences in an institution that really did not care about it, does not, continues to not. And just seeing that on all levels and not really understanding. Before we started recording, I had mentioned, I actually had a, a Snapchat memory come up from two years ago that said, I need to tell myself no matter what. And I need to explain to myself over and over that no matter how many times security stops me, I belong here. I got elected and I have just every right to be here as anybody else. And that was a conversation I had in my head all the time before COVID had hit on the hill. It was always security almost put their hands on me. I could hear a guy running down the hall from behind me. And like, I'm recognizable, right? Like I got face tattoos. I, like, it's not hard to know who I am. And that's actually security's job. 
their job. And it took me about a year to even register this. And this is what I mean in like the barriers, even just not having uh, a certain amount of, of assistance. Oh, and that's another huge one. You know, not being able to pay individuals in the Nunavut offices a livable wage. Like it was a complete joke. There is no way that the House of Commons actually reflects the riding needs. In August of 2020, Umalak conducted a housing tour of over 100 homes in more than seven communities across Nunavut, gathering firsthand information about the housing crisis and the unsafe conditions in which many people were and are living. As Mumalak explains, the process of conducting this tour and speaking with her own constituents highlighted additional barriers for her as a young MP without economic capital. There were just so many things that made it incredibly difficult. Again, as a 25-year-old, without a partner, without a history of you know being able to build credit or money and things like that many people don't know or understand that members of parliament pay for things out of pocket except for their flights and then they get reimbursed so as a 25 year old i only had seven thousand dollar credit limit on my visa so that's the only limit that i can you know i i want to travel around nunavut a hotel is at least two fifty a night, so I can't travel to my constituency for more than X amount of time because I have this credit limit on my card, right? So, when I did the housing tour, and I knew that was so so important in August of twenty twenty, it left me broke because I was paying for everything out of pocket besides my flights. So if I was sitting in hotels every night at 250 a, a pop, 275 easy, that kind of stuff adds up. I couldn't do longer than a two-week housing tour. I financially could not afford it. It's not that I wanted to stop. It's not that I didn't want to. It's that I couldn't, I really couldn't handle it because of that barrier that the House of Commons puts in front of me before. It also took me seven months of basically fighting with the NDP about advocating for me keeping my therapist and being able to have adequate counseling every week was definitely a, a huge, you know, it, it took me, I think, seven months of requests before it finally came through. By that time, I had already done the housing tour. When I took off two months for mental health, which I was very open about, the chief of health for Nunavut was sitting down with me in his office and saying, if you don't stop, I don't know. It's a, that's dangerous. That's, you need at least eight weeks, at least. And this is the chief health, right? Officer of Linwood. And I'm trying to communicate this with my party. I, I'm always, I do my best to be as straightforward and out there as I can. I think that's has always been really important for me to be transparent about just myself and my feelings and, and what I'm going through. So it was really hard when I, I didn't really have that feeling of assistance and I didn't have it like point blank. I just, I didn't have it even, you know, I had colleagues messaging me saying, 
congratulations, you went for treatment. I was like, what are you talking about treatment? And they're like, good for you on getting help with your addiction. I was like, that's not why I'm off work. Did my whole two-page letter to senior management slash leadership not get trickled down like I requested? Because I asked when I went on mental health leave, hey, can you tell all of my colleagues this is exactly why I'm off? So we at least have an understanding. They don't have to comment about it publicly. But hey, I'm not off because I'm at treatment or I'm at a rehabilitation thing. I'm off because my mental health is shot. Can you tell my colleagues that, please? Because I need help. Like, this is my email. And, and this is what I com- tried to communicate. But then I had colleagues coming back and saying the opposite of what I asked to not be said and to be communicated. And then, you know, just on a national stage saying, I was off work for two months because of mental health things. I didn't even realize at the time how big that was going to be, how impactful that was going to be for people. But my colleagues didn't even know fully, like all of them, what was going on because leadership was refusing to communicate what I was asking them to. So it was just a continuous breakdown of a, I understand more and more why the system doesn't work for people like me. I understand more and more why Inuit have the highest rates of suicide, of poverty, of neglect, of, you know, children going to school hungry. I understand more and more fully what it means to talk a talk and not walk a walk. I've seen it. I stood in those four walls and I said what I needed to say and what's different. What's changed? We still have the highest rates of suicide, some of the highest rates of violence and poverty. Children still going to school hungry. What changed from when I was born to when I got elected until now? And that's why I I needed to leave. I couldn't, you know, sit in that anymore. I couldn't sit in an understanding of, hey, I'm trying to make change. I'm trying to make things move forward. And I can't. You're actually like in every way, shape or form preventing me from it. And it's not just from... Being able to speak truth on a stage, it's everything in between. And and it's one thing to get there, sure. It's one thing to uh, be able to work up that kind of vulnerability to be able to say the kinds of things that need to be said. I've always taken it as way step further, which is why I think people really engage and want to listen and interact with me, is that we're all human. And there's understanding in that humanness that We come from different spots, different areas, different backgrounds, and that's fine. We just need to totally get and respect that, that it's not a game. It's people's lives, and it's been treated as a game for over 150 years. This whole system, it's a game. And people's lives aren't. And we always got to be looking towards breaking that mold and whatnot. So for me, like... And there were definitely uplifting times, but to me, it just, my two years definitely showed me how broken the system is, why, and how much people just continuously feed into it like no other. Reflecting on her time in politics, Mumalak is skeptical about the ability for the Canadian government to address issues of Indigenous rights, particularly when there continues to be a disconnect between political power structures and people's on-the-ground realities. 
I think people need to understand that they have power. I like to think I can come and zoom out or scope out and look at things big picture overall. And overall, it's honestly a couple individuals that we allow to be powerful. And we see power in, in all different kinds of ways. We see power through people that are vulnerable. We see power through people that are just willing to be as hard as they need to. But whatever allowance of power that we see, we allow that as human beings. So every day when you wake up, you kind of look at the world as a form of a hierarchy or somebody has more say than other people. That's not true. That's really not true. That's a 180 of what life is. And every single individual has the ability to be able to do something, to be able to accomplish whatever they want. And who gives what that is? Who cares if you want to own a big mansion with 150 cats, or if you want to be an Olympian and speed skating, or if you want to cure cancer? Like who, if, who gives? If you're being who you want to be and who you need to be, then that's great. But that's in people. That's not in like this world of want to be the best or be better. Like even running for member was so weird to me. It's so weird to go up to a person and try and convince them like, oh, I'm the best person to vote for because here are my values and goals. And that's very much how I treated it, but no one else really saw it like that. Like a conservative won't walk up to you and say, well, I don't believe that you know, there are these kinds of rights and things that should be stripped away from people. They would never tell you that, but they'll sit there and they'll put their, they'll stand up to vote on certain BS things that says they don't respect women. They don't respect children. They don't respect da da da. But they will tell you to your face all the time that those things are important or valuable or da da da. I can't do that. I can't stay straight faced. I can't have words come out of my mouth that I don't mean. And that's what this whole game is. This, it, it's a game of, I actually, I have a, a good friend that I just met who talks about, you know, when the sharks get cut, they just keep swimming. When the great white shark gets attacked, you just keep swimming. That's what you got to do. Like, that's how politics is. It's not about who's what, who's doing the best, who's engaging with their constituents, who's being the best representative. Politics is just about an image, a power trip, and an ability to make people feel more or less. And typically in this realm, in Canada, it's less, it's way less. And I, I would like to think that things are changing, but even within the party that I was with, I. I, I never felt supported. I never felt like I could 100% be me. I was continuously in feelings of arguments and frustration and not having support, not having guidance. It just felt like the way my life has always felt. Like my hometown is Baker Lake. We definitely have one of the higher rates of suicide. We're definitely, I would say, at more risk community than other ones. We're definitely not as close-knit. And there's a lot of separation, da, da, da. 
and even my hometown, you know, it's a lot of heartbreak and hardship to deal with. And then being told to, I don't know, turn around and, and figure it out. <laughs> like we just, we never had any kind of like hope growing up. We never had people showing up to say it's going to get better or, and like I could just name every year people that I love and peers and friends and we're a small knit community friends like people who have just passed willingly and that's not normal like that energy alone is not normal it's not normal to be in a suicidal community and that's the point that it was getting to that's the point it does get to in certain spots at certain times and that's crazy that's not a normal thing that human beings overall should be feeling but that's the point that we've kind of gotten to in terms of development and relationship and all that kind of stuff thinking about how canadian political structures are implicated in on the ground realities in nunavut and elsewhere has helped mumalak to contextualize her own experiences as an mp as well as the experiences of her constituents. As she explains, the challenge is now figuring out what to do with this information. I understand why the system doesn't work. I entered myself in like the highest level of the system, right? And then I saw firsthand why all my theories backed me up. Why everything I, I thought was true. What do I do with that information now? Yeah, the, the barriers are there. The systems are there. I understand that, I think, more than a lot of people could ever comprehend. And that's the question for me, too, now. It's like, well, where do I go from here? How do I take those next steps? I know there's power in people. But that's not things I think we've seen happen to the extent that we need to, like uh, George Floyd. We saw a BML movement, but we didn't see things actually change for Black lives. You know what I mean? Like, it's still the same cops pulling you over. It's still the same racial profiling. It got a lot of hype. It got a lot of pickup. But I don't know if it actually moved us anywhere. And I could say the same thing about my term. It got a lot of hype. It, 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 it got a lot of talk. Did people actually move in any direction? No. Did people actually see their lives get better? No. I don't think. I don't think anything's changed on the whole. But you can say that. And I find that's the thing that's been frustrating me so much lately. Is I feel like we can turn around and have the same conversation over and over and over again for all different kinds of people, all different kinds of background, and it's still going to be the same. Well, what are we doing? Where are we going? Like it's still power imbalance it's still you know we always end up getting into a conversation well let's leave it up to the youth let's put it on to the next generation well that was me that was me five years ago that's still me now and here i am feeling like oh well whew, i gotta set up for the next generation. i gotta make sure they're good bs man no i gotta do something now so that you guys are not just wanting to do stuff but you are beyond good you're beyond like you can move into actually claiming power and having money and control over your life and your well-being like 
I just, it helps me to speak about it out loud because it helps me understand where I'm trying to move into next. And even like where we're at now, you know, I'm only 28. (laughs) I'm not old at all. And I've been through crazy stuff. I know a lot of stuff because of those steps I've been willing to take. So why don't I interact and engage with people like us to to move into to other spaces? I think it's just a really difficult, disconnected time. Even in everything that I've talked about, I haven't mentioned anything about COVID. And COVID is making things so, so crazy right now. Like that's a whole nother level, whole nother layer that made my job so much harder. So I think there's a lot of barriers. And to be completely honest, there will continue to be crazy barriers unless we get together as people and we understand that this system really doesn't care about us. It really doesn't care if we live or die. To be honest, I've seen it. I've felt it. I've known it. It's not a myth. It's not a metaphor. This is the true life that we're living. And if this is the worth that we're feeling and we're getting from a system, screw this. (laughs) You want our kids to feel like this? You want anyone younger to feel like this? No, this isn't right. It's not how things are supposed to work out and and that's why I got into politics right like that's why I got into the whole thing in 2021 Mumalak decided not to run for re-election the challenge that she currently faces now that she's no longer an MP is how to navigate the transition out of politics and find support as she seeks to advance social change from outside of formal political institutions I'm not one to toot my own horn but I completely created something that I couldn't even fathom. I have connections that want to help me in Paris. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't know what to, how to interact with that because I'm one person. And I never even had the backing or the feeling of backing from NDP. Right? So how do I then move and navigate through what I want to do next? what I got to do next, how I move forward next. How do, how do we help our, our young people into politics and then out of it, if that's what they want? Because it's one thing to get in, but if you don't want to stay in, you don't have to, and you should be able to get out easy. I've not had an easy time in any way, shape, or form getting in or getting out. And what does that, like, that's so discouraging to other people who actually want to do it. And, you know, I just landed there in a situation where I didn't end up wanting to do it. Of course, in the beginning I did. And then I put my hands up and I said, no, not for me. And that's okay. But the media has such narrative. Um, They weren't even reporting my story right. They were saying that I resigned. In no way, shape or form did I resign. I didn't run again. You know how much credibility that took away from all the work I did? That completely stripped some people of complete respect for me. And completely stripped even the educational amount that I was doing, where I was saying, you know, we got to protest, we've got to come to this. And all of a sudden the media was going, well, no relax quitting. And people went, well, she quitting on me too then. I don't care about her. I don't have that incentive to learn more about her or engage more with her. She's quitting. And it, it put off a lot of people from me. It put up a lot of 
even like friends and family, you know, getting messages like, you got to keep going. You can stay strong. I'm like, I didn't quit. I'm still working. I'm still here. What are you talking about? And the media completely ruined my life over and over again. And how do you navigate that stuff if you don't have a team? If you don't have the backup from your party to say, you're good. It's okay. You can speak your truth. Can things change? Can things look different? I thought so. I thought the NDP was different from the liberals and the conservatives. The bloc. Um, they were in, in a lot of ways, but most ways they weren't. A lot of it was strictly me. A lot of it was strictly my ability to navigate and, and do things the way that I needed to. And that's what politics is, I think, that people don't realize on, on a whole. Often it's not about your riding and, and where you come from. It's about playing your game. I can't stand kind of being like a negative Nancy all the time. But I hope that people kind of take from this that they have ability to do stuff. But it's just like it was a crazy two years. And it really kind of like separated me from society in every way and the vice versa. So I think that that transition piece probably is the biggest barrier for me personally. Going into politics and leaving politics, I know I did a lot of things in between, but those two things, especially coming out of it, I think that would be, I would say right now, for sure, that's my biggest barrier, 100%. It's been clear from Mumalak's reflection so far that change-making processes can be isolating without the consistent support of a team or community. Despite the isolation that she faced as an MP, Mumalak does find hope when she's able to connect with other people and emphasizes the importance of engaging and communicating with one another. There really is power in people. People don't realize that, um, for example... Myself and Charlie Angus, our offices back in July of uh, 2021, hosted a march in protest of the Canadian government holding on to criminal records, basically from residential schools, but particularly in the North. And uh, Charlie's been in the game a lot longer than me. He is just a powerhouse that wants to do right, wants to do well. And if people don't know who I'm talking about, look up Charlie Angus. He's been the member of parliament for, uh, oh my goodness, I should know this is writing Tim and James Bay, pretty sure. Um, Northern Ontario, definitely. And he's been just a complete awesome advocate for us and needing to expose documents and records. And, and he's really knowledgeable Like he's been in this for 16 years or something. And I always like to comment on his crazy, he's got big white hair, but he's just this you know, it's hard to find white people that are okay, first off, being called white, second, being white, <laughs> and then being able to be an ally in those spaces in a way that makes sense. So I could walk up to Charlie, I could say, hey, white guy. He'd say, hi, I'm a white guy. <laughs> and then you'd say, hi, I can use this white guy privilege to help me in other spaces to help you. Like, it's really, really, really hard to find those kind of people. And Charlie's definitely... Um, is definitely there. I had another colleague, Matthew Green, 
Matthew every once in a while would just like text or call, hey fam, how are you? Like just check in, just how are you doing? There are definitely people out there, there are definitely allies that want to help us do more and do better. It's difficult if we don't collect and we don't engage as a whole. Like if I was having regular interaction or conversation with either of the two people I just mentioned, and I mean regular like scheduling it, like making the time to sit down and not just being like, oh, let's check in once in a while. Could have been super helpful, not just for me, but for them. That's what I mean. This this whole thing, it's a, it's a big it's a game all the time that interacts with real human lives, which a number of us get. But I think for the most part, when I was walking into situations where they really didn't care what happened to us as human beings, as we need, um, the overall, and even just my time there, because it's all, and I met awesome people. I have definitely met liberals and conservatives that I like. I've never met anyone from the block that I like, but that's a whole different conversation. I've met people that clearly understand it's a game to be played, clearly understand that they're in that position, not because they want to be, but because that's how they're going to get elected. And that's what works. Like it is a complete game. It's like if we were all sitting down playing Monopoly, well, who's most strategic at not even just spending your money? Who picks out what little token to represent us? And what does that mean? And how does that interact in our communication between one another? So it's, it's just, it gets complicated and it gets, and, and maybe that's what, you know, people don't necessarily want to dive into politics. It's a lot. It's a, it's a very big game and it can get complicated, but ultimately people are just trying to one up each other. Um, and if you can call that out in the nicest way and in the coolest way, calmest way, then you can actually move some things, but I, I wish people would understand. And, and I think that's what, that'll be what's my next, uh, I feel a little bit tongue tied here. That's what'll be my next venture is showing people that they can do stuff without having to be elected, showing that they can make change without having to be elected. Because I know how that works. I understand I don't have to be in the system in order to change the system. But how does that actually communicate to people outside of it? It's difficult. It's also a process. It's also, it's words on words. Those with power and ability to create imbalance, it's their smartness in words. You look at the Indian Act. The Nunavut Agreement is just a modern version of the Indian Act. That's all. There's no actual teeth, actual ability to create or move change it's just a, a set of rules or guidelines or whatever you want to call them that people kind of use to their advantage or not and it doesn't work for those it was written for it works for those who wrote it so if people can't see that we're already we're 10 steps behind and we're not working so i i think a lot of my stuff will be around being able to just educate the power in people. There's so much power in people.
And I, I hope we can come to realize that more and more. We have one minute left, which means it's time for a recap. In part two of this two-part series on Indigenous changemakers, we spoke with Mumalak Kakak. We learned about some of the barriers that she has faced as a young Indigenous woman seeking to make change within the Canadian political system, as a member of Parliament. We also learned about the importance of having a support system, particularly when facing institutionalized forms of discrimination, and about the importance of conversation and connecting with people when challenging unjust power structures. Tune in next week for episode 14 of this series, which is a change-making toolkit, featuring advice from many of the guests that we've had on the podcast so far. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Art of Change. For more information about this podcast or The Art of Change course, please visit community.mcmaster.ca.